I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Live. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? How long has the show already been going for? It hasn't. (laughs) We're live right now. Oh, good. All right. Cool. Guys and good gals, like, yeah, good time to uh, hit record awkward conversation. This. <laughs> so, uh, man, first of all, Alex, this is like the second time I've seen you in less than a week in this room. Yeah. Kind of getting weird here. Yeah, I know. We're kind of getting into a groove. We uh, are back second time in a week's time frame, which, man, we used to do this show, Felix, every two to three times a month, sometimes four times a month. Yeah. Sometimes three times a week. Uh, sometimes times seven week. times in a week. There, there <laughs> were a lot. Yeah, that was uh, 2020, wasn't it? Yeah, pre-COVID. Yeah, we, we should have caught COVID on that trip, according <laughs> to everybody. Well, if you had even the tiniest bit of a cold, do you think you already had it during that time frame? <laughs> yeah. It was a crazy time over here, right? With the COVID here in America. <laughs> Everything locked down. Man, I was re- really genuinely surprised that it all happened. Like, man, when they first started talking about the cases, the first cases in the U.S. showing up, and this is when Sam was working full-time at uh, Ben Taub Hospital, which is a big hospital here in Houston. And uh, they started talking about these things that were going to close down. I was like, that is crazy. You're all overreacting. Nobody's going to do anything. And then they canceled the rodeo. That was the first big thing yeah, that I heard was. about that, that didn't happen. And I went, holy shit. There, some some stuff's going to change. And then, yeah, a couple weeks after that, businesses started closing down. And, yeah, Spaceland was one of them. Pretty pretty, uh, pretty nutty time. The world shut down, man. Uh, the freeways were dead empty. I actually got out a couple of times. God, driving was so great. It's beautiful. <laughs> oh, Didn't you drive to the drop zone? Every day. I took, I took three days off. <laughs> I'm going to fucking lose my mind if I sit here by myself. So, yeah, I started going back to work and coming up with a plan. I quickly got out and shopped as soon as they let us do anything. And it was wonderful because nobody was going out. Nobody was doing anything. The place was dead. It's crazy how fast uh, America shut down. What was it like in Sweden? Like, how how did it start? I mean, we we saw on the news everywhere uh, that uh, the world started to shut down. But we didn't really notice in the beginning, I would say. It took a long time before we kind of realized that, oh, something is wrong. Like, but, uh, but we never used masks in Sweden. The the only time we used masks was uh, if we had to go to the like hospital or if you visit your grandma. So they basically told everybody like, don't visit like fat people or your, the older <laughs> people. If you don't visit them, you can do whatever you want, basically. Uh, poor Hank. But, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but, uh, so, but, but grocery store, no masks. No. I love you, Hank. No, nothing like that. No. But that's that's not true. That, of that, Europe. Was, that, that was Sweden. that was our recommendation to have mask in the stores, mm-hmm. but you didn't have to. Yeah, you guys are too busy being Vikings still pillaging <laughs> the village, right? Yeah. yeah, fuck it. Who needs a mask when you're invading a small town? Uh, we shut down, and you mentioned it near the Houston Rodeo. Uh, that was the first thing, first major event. Are you familiar? Have you heard of the Houston Rodeo? <laughs> I heard of it, but I haven't been there yet. Um, what do you know of the Houston Rodeo? There's bulls chasing the red carpet. 
<laughs> so it's a huge place. It's considered a super stop in the rodeo circuit. So the Pro Bull Riders Association, the PBA, the rodeo circuit, it's it's a pro stop. I only know this shit because I've gone to it a bunch. Um, and the NFL stadium, the Texan stadium there, they convert into a giant rodeo. So each event's on a different half of the field. So they'll do like rope calfing on one half calf rope and whatever mm. on the other half they'll have like riding broncos and then back to bulls on the other half so so they're back and forth and at the end they wheel out a giant stage in the middle of the field that just slowly rotates and whatever band is playing and it's mainly country uh a little bit of teano a little bit of uh, latin music and then uh dude all new kids on the block janet jackson all sorts of different and unique. Uh, so, so, like the scene they are playing on is like twisting around. Super slow, super slow. Oh wow, that's yeah, interesting. It is, man. <laughs> that way, everybody gets to see him. But there's a big uh, a stage up there, and the whole thing is surrounded by a county fair. Like, does the word county fair make any sense to you? Like a carnival. Mm. So, it, uh, man, all the rides, attractions, so Ferris wheels, small little roller coasters, any of the weird spinning rides. Yeah. All the uh, games you can play, like beanbag toss and okay. bottle throws and just things you can win out uh, stuffed animals and take home. Do you guys do any of this in Sweden? No, we Not play rocks together if, if, if you go and eat to... stinky fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you go to like uh, the big like adventure parks, like we have two of those. One in Stockholm and one in Gothenburg. So we have uh, Granalund and Liseberg. That's where you can go and do all these roller coasters and all these stupid games where you just lose your money. Yeah. And then you can win a lot of chocolate if you do it good. They have a lot of those kind of things at the rodeo, including everything fried you could imagine. (laughs) Fried Oreos, fried Snickers, fried Twinkies. Like I I just don't get it. Why why do... Americans fry everything. It's good. You got to be the fattest <laughs> city or the fattest country on the planet somehow, right? Yeah, you definitely win that. And if Houston's <laughs> the fa- fattest city in America and the fattest country on the planet, it man, is, you got to have deep fried Oreos. Is Houston the fattest? <laughs> city? I, I don't know if it is anymore. It sure was for uh, a number of years, but wow, it, man! I mean, I guess I'm not shocked. Not me either, because... Uh, what do we got, Alex? I know. Uh, according to the first results on Google, fattest city in America, McAllen, Texas. Does that ring a bell to you guys? South of us. Okay. So, like, in our area, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can get a more detailed answer in a second. That's just the first thing. That more details up. to come. Breaking yeah, news. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I do understand why, because it's very easy to get fat here. I mean, you have drive-ins for everything. And uh, there's sugar in basically everything. So you need to be very careful what you stuck into your mouth here. Yeah, isn't the, it so crazy that everything that's on the back of, of the of, of the food label, right, all the ingredients, mm-hmm. there's still no daily recommended amount of sugar. <laughs> it tells you how much sugar is in there. I don't know how many people... Does it re- there's no, really? There's, there's no, a, no, there's no recommended no. daily allowance. No, it just tells you how many grams. That blows my mind. I actually would think that there was. Yeah, there sure should be. Yeah, and it should be a but lot less than what most people. But that's a good thing here in America. When you go to a restaurant, you always see how many calories in, that is in uh, the menu. <laughs> but you know order. why they do that is because McDonald's got sued by a bunch of fucking fat people because they pretended to not know <laughs> that the food wasn't good for them, and so now, yeah, if the restaurant tells you that it's gonna that you're a fat fucking slob because you're eating <laughs> a twenty five hundred calorie meal, yeah, now you can't sue them because they try to tell you. Oh wow, yeah, that's another thing. 
in Sweden, you, you don't sue people. Like it's just <laughs> common sense. If you're gonna eat fat food, you're gonna be fat. <laughs> people understand that, but basically, uh, but they don't do it here, I guess. <laughs> it seems like most nations aren't as sue happy as we are. In coach courses, we we talk about lit, lit, litigation and the lawsuits, and I always joke around and call it the United States of Sumerica. Every other person wants to sue you for the stupidest possible thing. It's <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. That's the culture, baby. That's how we get rich. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna be lazy and just complain until somebody gives me money. That's <laughs> the goal. It's the American dream. Yeah, if you if you just win one case, you're set for life. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. <laughs> well, so what what's uh. You've spent a little bit of time here in America now. Yes. Uh, how long? A couple months. Seems been like. here since early November. And then you had another trip in the states before you were here in Texas. Yes, I was in Florida in March, April for almost a month. Okay. So, what biggest differences between America and Sweden so far? Oh, the guns and healthcare. Guns for and sure. health. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you you've shot guns here in America? Uh, uh, we went to a shooting range when I was in Florida. Uh huh. But uh, other than that, no. What sort of guns you, did you shoot there? Uh, it was uh, some smaller ones, some shotgun, and uh, one like... Boop, 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 boop. Like machine gun style. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, America. <laughs> I love the name of the gun. I don't know all the names. Yeah, you know, but you know what it does. Yeah. <laughs> Causes yeah, it, your face to have a big smile. Yeah, and, and it was so weird because after, he was like, did you like the gun? I was like, yeah, it was cool. He's like, yeah, you can just go up to the shop and buy it up front. I'm like, <laughs> What did you say? <laughs> it's so weird to me because uh, I'm not really used to that. If you see a gun in Sweden, it means problem, problems. But guns and are in America it. means problem solver. Yeah. <laughs> so, but hun- but g- guns are legal in Sweden. If you're a hunter, yes. Okay. So I have a friend who hunts in Sweden quite a bit, and so I yeah Sweden. I just wasn't sure if that was because he's in uh, Skåne or if it's just. Yeah. It's down there. It's down there. Yeah. But ha- <laughs> having a handgun is not legal? No. Okay. If you have a gun, you need to have it locked in if you're not using it for hunting. So if you have a handgun, for example, and you put it on the kitchen table, mm-hmm. and then you're going to go on the toilet, it's illegal. Yeah, I get that there are laws that say that, but like, is that what ever- does everyone actually do it that way? I don't know. I don't really know that many people that have has guns. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, there's a few hunters, but statistically, I think, and I, I don't know if this is a TikTok number or where I heard it from number, but I've heard the number multiple times. There's like 120 guns to every 100 people in the U.S., and I just have a hard time believing the number is that low. I think um, it's per household. 140 <laughs> guns per household, is that yeah. what you're saying? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Alex, are you looking up a number here? Uh, yeah, I just looked it up again. First thing that comes up on Google, um, estimate of civilian firearms per 100 persons, 120 and a half. So I was off by a half. Yeah. You're pretty spot on. Oh, I, I didn't said know. 120. Yeah, I didn't know if, I knew I remembered the number right. I just yeah. didn't know if the source I had was like accurate or not. No, I'm, and I'm only carrying half of a gun today, so yeah. There you go. I'm making up the half. You made up the half. For you, it's full size. Exactly. I mean, it's uh, I've got a buddy who, I man, I got a relative who's probably got a hundred guns himself. So I think he does enough <laughs> to to crush the system and get things going. Um, 
Actually, I have a. I also have a relative who owns a gun store, so I have no clue how many guns he has. So owns a uh, apparently a pretty nice uh, gun store in Florida somewhere. So may have to go. Maybe visit. it's the one that Felix went shooting at. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is the Small rules world. to get a gun here? Um, you get a background check, and as long as you're not a dumbass and got arrested for dumb stuff, then you're probably going to buy a gun. It's it's oh, still okay. twenty one for a handgun. Is that that's federal? I think right. Man, I guess I'm at this point. I forgot what age anything's for. So I think it's eighteen it's not for, me. for a rifle. It was so long ago. For you. <laughs> Fuck off! Yes, <laughs> that's that's right. Exactly. Yeah, twenty-one or older for handguns. <laughs> twenty-one or older. Uh, yes, twenty-one or older for a handgun, and I believe you're right on the eighteen years old. That, that's what it was when I turned eighteen for a handgun. But can you buy a rifle? Yes, yeah, so yeah, rifle. As long as it hasn't changed, would be eighteen is is the age that yeah. you need to be to buy one. Long yeah. rifle, I think shotgun. Yeah. Yeah, rifles are probably easier to get a hold of than pistols in some places. So I, you hunt with a rifle. Yeah. You don't hunt with a pistol. No. I mean, you hunt, but they're paper targets, and that's about it. So yeah. <laughs> I uh, I have a license to carry, and in Texas, I have to go. If I go buy a gun, I just give them this license to carry, fill out the paperwork, and walk out with a gun. If you have a ID that says you can carry a pistol, you can buy a gun. Walk out that day. Yeah, they do a yeah. background check. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I I think that's a good thing. But the background <laughs> check in Texas, I don't think it takes a full day. Oh, no, no, no. I, I mean, like I, hours. I don't have a license to carry, and the last uh, time I bought a handgun, it was a 30-minute ordeal. Oh, wow. They, they had exactly what I wanted. I said, yep, that's it. And that was ten, here in Texas. Ten minutes later, yeah, this is uh, Liberty Armory. Uh, ten minutes later, they're, they were handed, hey, what's, yeah, what sort of rounds do you want? We can give you the free box that's of ammunition. That's so weird to me. Like I, I don't think I'm gonna get used to this uh, gun culture here. Because if you go into Walmart and you see a guy in like cowboy hat and he has a revolver on his belt, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like a cowboy movie. Yeah, open. So uh, there's concealed carry or open carry. Yeah, and uh, open carry makes me scary. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the quote of the night so far. <laughs> open carry makes me scary. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to write that down somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got mixed feelings about, uh, you know, if if you saw everybody who had a gun on them in Walmart, you'd probably worry about the one guy whose gun you see a whole lot less because you'd realize that everybody had one. But uh, I have mixed feelings about open carry of like, hey, do you do you want to make it known that you have that gun so that if, if there is a situation, someone's going to target you or are you going to? keep yourself safer because someone's not going to mess with you because they know you've got a gun. Yeah. I feel like, like you're daring people. Like, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I dare I you. You could talk me into believing either one. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't I, believe everybody's that way, but I'm, I posit there are people carrying a gun in open just waiting for you to infringe on their rights. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I think it's silly. I think it's, I don't know why I think open carry is silly, but I, I don't like it. It's um, just hilarious to me when someone comes with a hat, cowboy hat <laughs> than an open carry. <laughs> like, like okay, you're an old Western. Now movie. I'm in Texas. <laughs> Wait. So, okay, this is that's just to get back to Sweden. That's really stereotypical for Texas, right? Cowboy guy carrying a gun, driving a big truck. Yep. Who, who's that guy in Sweden? What does he look like? Oh, right there. <laughs> Viking, big mustache, big beard, super tall. Here's a skin. hammer. Yeah, and I, I, <laughs> <laughs> could be a superhero. Stereotype Swedish guy. Hmm. I would say he drives a Volvo, but not not a pickup truck. It, the, that's a fun thing about Sweden. You can't have a pickup truck like these pickup trucks here. 
If you have the wheel go outside the wheelhouse, it's not legal in Sweden. Oh, you, you told me this when we were driving back from the airport. Yeah. I remember that's so silly. Yeah. And, and you can't really like uh, lift your truck that much as they do here in Sweden either. That's not legal. That's because your balls aren't small enough. Yeah. The I mean, smaller your wiener, the bigger your truck goes. <laughs> do they give a reasoning for that? Like, what are the lanes small in Sweden? No, nah, not they really. Just, they I, just have an anti douchebag policy? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, so, so whenever I see a big truck, I'm like, that's cool as fuck. Because we can't Which have it. Which is half the drops on parking lot. And then you start yeah. looking at, at cowboy hats at the, <laughs> the local dry goods store. And before you know it, you're going to be open carrying that handgun. Oh, you're gonna hell be yeah, dude. Wait, what's more ridiculous to you, the open carry or the cowboy hat? Because you touched on both those things earlier, and they sounded equally ridiculous. But oh. So one's got to be more than the other. The open carry, for okay. sure. That's yeah. kind of what I was the thinking. The cowboy hat that I kind of expected when I came here, yeah. but the open carry, I was like, oh. <laughs> okay, that's scary. Yeah, fair enough. I, <laughs> I could did see, not expect that. Yeah, I could see how it would be pretty shocking coming from a place with like little to no guns, and now there's apparently guns all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if I see a gun in Sweden, I'm like, fuck, I need to get out of here fast. Because <laughs> something is going to happen. And now you see a gun in Texas, and you're like, "Excuse me, ma'am, which where are the chips?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's weird. But uh, I guess maybe I get used to it later on. We will see. Okay, so we've talked about the weird things in America. Is there anything you've really liked about America so far? M- uh, most of the things, I think, the people here are amazing. Okay. So if you compare the people here to the ones in Sweden, everybody here is like super like forward and everything. In Sweden, I feel like people are more laid back. They don't really say what they want to say. They like uh, are a bit more shy, I would say. So that that's one thing I really like with Americans. Like uh I noticed this in Germany that I would make eye contact with a stranger and I would give like a little polite grin and they would look at me like I was a crazy person <laughs> yes. and look the other way and walk faster. Yeah. Is that common with most European countries? Yeah. Nobody wants to smile at anybody? Nah, not really. I mean, if you get eye contact with someone, that's scary. <laughs> like, <laughs> why are you looking at me? <laughs> yeah, and uh, that, that's... Uh, I mean, at least you know they don't have a gun. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I mean, if you most people don't even uh, like talk to their neighbor in Sweden. Like, if you have a neighbor, if you talk to them, you're weird, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. You talk to your neighbors, DJ? Uh, yeah, some more than others. I like your next door neighbor because he is an adult man who calls me baby when he sees me. <laughs> <laughs> like, in what tone though? Because that's up, baby? kind of okay. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> I try. I try to think about. What scenario in my life I could get away with calling an adult man who I don't know baby? <laughs> yeah. Like I just, man, I just can't think of it. Yeah, and that's what I. That's why I asked the tone because I couldn't imagine an appropriate tone where like that would be your reaction. Dude, like it, this guy's the man. So fitting though, dude. What he says it's so good. I love it. It's like yeah, yeah, babe, baby. Hey, babe. <laughs> hey, what, just, what's up, baby? <laughs> It's like no, you can't say it back. Yeah, it's I, not I could say it back. If oh, I you s- could, no, I, I would. It wouldn't. Do you know, know the reason why he's calling you, baby? Because he's awesome. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all I got. But I like it. I'm into it. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I can't get away with it. 
Yeah, yeah. I feel like tone is really important in like the type of person that you are. Or, like every now and then I'll let like a baby fly, but that, I, that's different. I feel like you can't call someone a baby. Oh, babe. Yeah, and that's never been a thing for me either. Is that a big word for you, Felix? You like throwing the babe around every now and then? No, I don't really use the babe word. Like, yeah, it's never, babe. No, mm. not really my thing. Man, mm. I I don't think I know a single word in Swedish. Hey, 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 the hey. Hey, yeah. hey, hey. I'm already <laughs> well on the way. If you've been to Ikea, you've had your first Swedish lesson. Okay. It's on the wall. Welcome. Hey, H-E-J. Välkommen means welcome. And välkommen åter means welcome back. I'm not going to remember any of that. Skål is the same? Yes. Skål, I don't care. Skål yeah. is shares. Shana. Yep. I got a good, good lesson a good from uh, L&B <laughs> yeah. in Skål. You will uh, have many more skulls yeah, soon. Gotta yeah. refresh and uh, one thing everybody goes <laughs> yeah. to for uh, at IKEA is meatballs, and that's chipola. Have you been to IKEA in the U.S. yet? I have not. I not wonder yet. how good w- the meatballs are compared to the ones you have at home. Uh, I mean, it's gonna be hard to compare because I'm used to my grandma's meatballs at home. So I gotta. Did you? Uh, you're not from Skydive Stockholm. No, I'm not. But you've jumped there. Yes. Just for Vectorfest or? I've been there a few times more, but. Have you had the meatballs from their kitchen there? I have not. Okay. Have you? No, but I've heard very poor things about them. Sorry, Scott, I've Stockholm. If it's <laughs> true or not, I don't know. I also heard the taco truck had really horrible tacos from Wit. Wit has horrible taste in tacos. Did you eat from the taco truck at all? I didn't. I ate the Asian food. Dude, the Thai ladies had it going on, but yeah, dude, yeah. the taco place was absolutely, you missed out, man. You okay. missed out. Absolutely. Uh, we had Thai every day for lunch, and then sometimes taco, sometimes Thai for dinner. Stefan. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Yeah, I, I was all in on the Thai food because it was very big portions. Oh, I like that. Yeah, very big <laughs> portions. And when you asked for spicy, they gave you spicy. I didn't ask for it, but I got it once. I think they mixed up my plate with <laughs> my friends. <laughs> I had a very hard time with that because I'm not good with spices. Yeah, so I was going to ask how you judge their meatballs, just because I I've heard they're horrible, and I'm back to it. I'm curious, what's IKEA meatballs like to you? I thought about this more than once today too. This is the sad part. I'm like, I wonder what he feels. I mean, it's just a regular meatball. Like, <laughs> the the real meatballs is the ones like you make at home by yourself. That's what? like the meatballs my grandma does. But uh, when you go to uh, IKEA, it's just meatballs. <laughs> okay, yeah. What do you They're pair with meatballs? Meat. I see meatballs on a plate. What's next to it? What else uh, did grandma make? Mashed potatoes. Okay, hell yeah. With uh, brown sauce. I don't know what you say. Gravy? <laughs> Gravy. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And uh, then like uh, lingonberry yam, something like that. Really? Uh, not jam, like, uh, I don't know what to say. Is it sweet, the jam? No, yeah. it's not really sweet. It's uh, like lingonberry. It's like uh, chili. Chili. Paste? Chile. Yeah, something like that. Is there, uh, I noticed there was a lot of jams in yeah. the restaurant. Uh, not the restaurant, the hotel we stayed in. I stayed at a... Uh, it's not really jam because it's not sweet. It's yes, like a... Yeah. It's like, the, it shakes, if you like. It's It's like jam, just not sweet. Yeah, I really think that's the easiest. Yeah, yeah, it's got a little bit of a jelly but, to but it, but still like yeah, a exactly. berry base. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm. Sounds delicious. It's N- nice. It's really None good. of the jams I had were sweet. 
I, 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 I had quite a few different ones, just checking them all out. They were good, but except for the hotel I stayed in in Denmark, they had some very uh, Americanized options. Okay. So I stayed in a really, uh, I stayed in a Scandic hotel, you know, the, the, the name brand? Yeah. Uh, in, in, in Stockholm, not Stockholm, but in Javle, I believe is just north of, of, uh, of Gretchen. And then I stayed at a really nice, really, really nice hotel in Denmark. So they just had everything Americanized. Okay, nice. Yeah, made it easy. Um, Man, I've lost my brain and my track of thought. Oh, Uh, I'm researching Scandinavian restaurants in Houston. We're going to have to find one. uh, um, (laughs) So how long have you been jumping? You you did your first tandem like three, four years ago in 2019. I did my tandem in 2019. And then nothing else? Nah. Uh, and the reason uh, behind that tandem was because my little brother, he had a fear of heights. So I was like, okay, we need to do something about this. So like, how do you conquer a fear? Like, just fear it and crush it. So uh, I was uh, giving him two different avenues in a Christmas gift. Uh, on one, it says man. That was a uh, tandem skydive. And on the second envelope was a pussy. That was a <laughs> that that was a table for his uh, living room. So I, I just gave him the envelopes in Christmas gift, and I didn't say tell him what was inside. So he had to decide. So uh, uh, later that day, he I was like, "So are you a man or a pussy?" <laughs> he looked me in the eyes and he was like, "I'm a man." <laughs> and he grabbed the envelope and he opened it up. He was like, "Oh." <laughs> so I'm gonna skydive. I was like, "Yep," uh, and that's uh, winter time in Sweden. So he had like four or five months before, uh, and then uh, when I sat down and I was booking it and everything, my mom she come around. She was like, "What are you doing, Felix?" I'm like, "I'm booking this skydive." She's like, "I always wanted to do that, but I never dared to." I was like, "You can't really ask your mom how how much do you wait, mom?" So I was like, I was just typing in kind of what I thought she was waiting. And then I booked it, and then I walked back to her. I'm like, we're going to go skydive on Friday. She's like, we? I'm like, yeah, you, me, and my brother. She's like, why didn't you let me think about it? I'm like, you've been thinking about it for 25 years. Now we're going. <laughs> so uh, all of us uh, three went uh, to do a tandem together. And my dad, he was driving us there, and he was so scared the whole trip. Every minute, he was like, my family's dying today. And then it was quiet for like five minutes. And like, <laughs> my family's dying today. <laughs> that was the only. Was he just fucking with you guys, or was he actually worried? Uh, he was scared. <laughs> he was very scared. But uh, afterwards, uh, m- uh, first uh, my little brother did his jump, and then my mom did the jump, and then I did the jump. My dad, he, he kind of got more relaxed during the time because he saw that it was like safe. But he, I don't think he's ever gonna go skydive. I can't talk him into it. I tried, but. <laughs> and what was your first experience? It was a tandem out yes. of a small Cessna? It was a 182, I get, think. Okay. Where at? In Urebro, Sweden. Okay. I've only heard of it. I've only heard of it just from Vectorfest. Yeah. Um, and when you, what, how, what was your first thought? How did you feel about that first? Oh, I was scared as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the, the plane ride up was amazing. It was kind of scary because it was such a small plane. So you could see this duct tape on like the door and everything. I was like, fuck, this is scary. And then it was just me, the tandem instructor, one video guy and another guy in the plane. It's a small plane. I was like, 
a bit scared because it was shaking and everything. But then when they open up the door and like, here we go, I was like, oh, fuck, this is scary. Very scary. Because I I didn't feel that I was attached to him in the beginning. So And he was like, yeah, you need to slide out of the plane uh, on the step and then we go. And I didn't feel that I was attached to him first. So uh, directly when I felt like I'm down on the steps, when we was on the step, I was like, oh, I'm attached. And then out we go. I was screaming and i was scared and everything and i didn't know how to breathe it was like (gasps) and then i was like fuck this doesn't work and i was (laughs) so i had a very hard time to breathe the first like 20 seconds and then it yes oh i love this this is so much fun when i came out on the canopy i was like this is dope (laughs) i think we all have a different theory about why people struggle to breathe in free fall what do you think, DJ? Um, I feel pretty comfortable with my theory um, just from so many tandems. When people jump out of the plane, they they gasp. And then when they breathe in, a little bit later, they go, oh, I need to breathe. And they yeah. try to breathe. And they can't breathe. Yeah. So, it's a weird feeling. when you, you get so much air into your mouth if you're like, yeah, so yeah. I, I just think it's hard in the beginning. So I tell, I've told students regularly, and it's I actually don't share this until we're somewhere close to jump run until we're somewhere close to jump time just because if i slide it in as a random piece of information they're going to remember it and the one thing i don't want a tandem student ever to do is freak out Uh, uh, other than i want you to arch i want you to but just don't freak out that's the thing that bugs me the most Uh, (laughs) i mean (laughs) do you think someone who's freaking out has a great ability to control that freak out oh no so i'm gonna stop them from doing it ahead of time (laughs) so hey yo man when we jump out of the plane some people have a hard time breathing it's because they took a big gasp and then they try to breathe and they forget they don't. So scream. Literally, it's just resetting your breathing. You're getting all the air out of your lungs. You're screaming because you're either scared or having a good time. Either way, scream. Scream like it's fun. Yeah. And then breathe consciously and you'll be fine. And I've had several people land and tell me or under camp, you tell me, yo, dude, I had a scream, man. It helped. I'm like, all right, man. Good for you. So I've <laughs> also had other weird and appropriate things under canopy, but I shouldn't say those things to my students. I mean, they shouldn't say that. <laughs> oh, man, I have to move on now. Well, I, I agree that uh, regardless of the cause, the scream is the fix. Yeah, it really does. It's, um, it, it's, it seems to happen a little bit more when it's cold. I don't know why that is. If it is just the, if it's just the gasp and nothing else. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if, if jumping into cold water, I guess, takes, puts that same breath in you that yeah. it's hard to get it started. That again. cold air bites a little bit harder. I have, have you a little bit more. I think it's much easier to jump in the cold water the first time than skydiving the first time. Yeah, it's that, easier that's to that, breathe. That's that Nordic shit coming out. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, that, uh, to you, hot water is not frozen. Cold water is ice. We, we, everything is cold there. <laughs> Except for the week I was visiting. Yeah. The 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 week you were visiting, that was the week we had a very good summer weather in Sweden. So we usually get like one, two, maybe three good summer weeks. I looked at the average weather in Sweden for where we were at before I left and packed like all warmer clothes, not the warmest clothes, but yeah. warmer clothes. And I showed up with no shorts and no short sleeve shirts and yeah. needed it like most of the trip. Yeah, that week was amazing. It was like proper Swedish summer the whole week. We didn't have any rain, no Beautiful. bad clouds, nothing. Multiple, it was a perfect uh, week. Aurora Borealis and Northern Lights a few times. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. yeah. I, that was actually the first time I saw like the Northern Light. 
I mean, I've been hunting it down a few times up north in Sweden, but I haven't really seen the proper Northern Light yet. But down at Vectorfest, we kind of saw it. It was seen like four of the five nights or something like that. You yep. lived there your whole life and never saw it? You were there for a fucking week and you got to check it out? That's... No, I wasn't bad. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> That's so unfair. <laughs> I showed up on a Sunday but didn't get to the DZ till Monday. Monday, I'm on the DZ. They say, hey, we saw the Northern Lights last night around such and such a time frame. So Louisa and I hung out uh, together just catching up, talking, and watching for the Northern Lights. And oh, around 11.30 midnight, we realize how late it is. And we're both like, yo, I'm out of here. So go our way, come back. Uh, they told us the next day Northern Lights happened like 2 a.m. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not staying up that late again. <laughs> happened again at like 2 a.m. I'm like, I'm definitely not trying <laughs> if, this. If something was going to happen at 2 a.m. and I was going to watch it, I'd have to be in bed at 9, set an alarm for one thirty, <laughs> go do whatever that thing was at 2 o'clock, and then get back in bed. 100%. Those days are over. Dude, it's it's rough, man. When I stay up late now, I feel like I have a hangover the next day. It absolutely <laughs> wipes me. I don't even drink. And literally, like, we'll play games at Alex's house, and uh, we'll, we'll run late till 10, 1030. I'll get home at, like, 11, 1130, and my next day is wrecked. Like, dude, give me some aspirin and some hangover cure. <laughs> you ever see me drink there, though? No, I, but I feel the same way too. Like staying up that late, and you know, just kind of like burning all of the the mental energy that goes into <laughs> to D and D, which we don't have to get into. But I've I've felt that way too. Of um, yeah, like that mental hangover, just like feeling pretty drained the next day. Oh yeah, but even gaming, it don't take much energy to play Call of Duty. Felix, you yeah. play Dungeons and Dragons? Here we go. I have not. <laughs> Good. So next, <laughs> <to> next topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, I really, I did actually want to ask. Uh, this is not D. Related. He doesn't play it. He lives. <laughs> we, we were talking. <laughs> we were talking about the weather in Sweden, and you mentioned clouds. And I am aware that the FAA does not exist in Sweden. How do you guys treat clouds when it comes to skydiving? Hmm. It depends. I mean, are there rules around it? Oh uh, yes, we have rules. So we are not allowed to jump if we can't see the ground. Okay. But I think that's. Can be stretched sometimes. Oh, for sure. Easily. Yeah. If you can see a highway far away there, you can see the ground. Yeah. I can see the ground. Yeah. I know where I'm at. I'm over this area somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't give you like these exact numbers of cloud clearance requirements like they do here in the States. Okay. Nah, I wouldn't say that now. So I've been jumping in very cloudy conditions, very rainy, painful conditions as well. Alex, have you had any of these experiences jumping in overcast, extreme cloudy, hard to see the ground experiences? Um, like anywhere? Or yeah, anywhere. Anywhere. Um, I mean, we've had a couple of, um, I mean, it's Texas, right? Like we get lots okay. of clouds rolling in and stuff like that and like flying around that kind of stuff like happens every once in a while. Okay. Yeah. I know there's a day and time when Nick Lott's life, and, and quote me or correct me if I'm wrong, but I know positively there's a day and time in my life where clouds even though they're illegal in the U.S., meant nothing to the people or places we were working for at that time. Yeah. Um, i done tandems where, four tandems, the front tandem instructor wears a GPS, wrist-mounted GPS, and free fall gives a full body wave when he's facing a particular preset direction for the second tandem instructor. The third one does the same for the fourth tandem instructor, and then the second and fourth follow the other TIs in. We try yeah, to stack them all four so you're together, 
But they literally use two GPSs. Yeah, I would buy another GPS if you were going to push it that hard. (laughs) Dude, I would not be the fourth tandem out being like, well, I hope fucking Bill is still visible (laughs) by the time. It was a little (laughs) limited, those who had wrist-mounted GPS at this point. I mean, I'm old. I mean, limited by what? Uh, finances cost money. Okay, well, people weren't going to spend that much money. That's on them. crazy. That's pretty yeah. gnarly. Yeah, I've never seen anything. Oh like man, that I before. say that we didn't do it regularly. Probably a dozen jumps that way. Okay, Braden told me in Saipan that he would commonly have his iPhone out with the GPS on to find his way back to the drop zone. Damn. Yeah. 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 That's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could you but imagine when the conditions are like that? You really need to trust your pilot. <laughs> you I yeah, hope he can spot. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I feel like if we just have the clouds over opening altitude, we're good to go, basically. Yeah, from yeah. a safety standpoint, yeah. if there's an overcast layer that we're going to pass through in freefall, especially if we're beneath it at pull time, yeah, I'm not the least bit concerned about uh, the dart safety. Though. Yeah. But when the bases of the clouds are at a 1,000 feet or lower, yeah. then... Uh, we don't yeah, go if we have that now. That would not happen. Because you need, like, when you come on the canopy, it's kind of nice to see where to land. Yeah. We like that in Sweden as well. Yeah, that's <laughs> smart. <laughs> but I've seen people do <laughs> Man, there was a load. It was, like, clear skies, like, a little bit broken. And uh, just a kind of, like, a hazy look to the day. And this was the last load of the day, and everybody went. And it was, like, man, by the... Between... Some point between... The airplane being on jump run and canopies opening and making it to the ground, it just became foggy. Just like all of a sudden was just super foggy. And, uh, man, we had people landing off all over the place. I've seen it happen twice. I, I saw that one. The worst one I saw, absolutely instant. A group was in free fall. It was a four-way team training by themselves. And you could see them in free fall. You watched them break off, and immediately as they broke off, they disappeared. And it was, they said, a couple thousand foot cloud layer, and they came out of it at like 700 feet above the ground with no clue where they were at. They all followed each other, hoping the first guy knew where he was going, and he had no clue where he was going. Um, At the last minute at 700 feet, because most of them were flying velocities, uh, he did recognize where he was at enough to make a good landing area out of it, and it's a good thing they followed him, because he actually, he he led them to the only safe place they were at. Yeah. it's weird, dude. I uh, personally, uh, like clouds, rules, regulations, eh, whatever. And I used to be indifferent about clouds outside of the rules. Fuck, fuck the rules conversation right now. For me, it's just like, what do I feel and what do I think about clouds? And I was impartial. I, I really don't care that much. It's not my problem, not my issue. Uh, if people want to chase and follow clouds, again, I'm the rules be damned just in my philosophy. Man, let them do it, man. I've flown by clouds in a wingsuit, man, and I get the obsession with flying near clouds. I also flew across some near clouds in a wingsuit and still landed on. It's a pretty neat, like, it can happen, Nick, I'm telling you. Uh, man, (laughs) you know, I'm open to to the strong possibility that flying a wingsuit is a lot of fun. I think I I get more and more worried about safety and movement jumps just as the conversation gets louder because the number of incidents grows and man i really worry about uh someone who's not super super familiar with the terrain and uh with jump run especially winds aloft yeah i mean mostly jump run that scares me the most i don't care if a wingsuiter lands off it's not the not to the end of the, the world for the most part um 
we've had plenty of wingsuiters land off and we'll have plenty more in the future i'm sure but it's like hey where were those tandem canopies again when you got to chasing that cloud and you got real close to it and then you followed the the front edge of it mm-hmm. where those parachutes that are going to be open at six thousand feet after your after your long flight where were they that to me that's the scariest part about people chasing clouds yeah i uh for sure i get that my i I kind of was indifferent, but I've been in two instances um, where where one of them, I was really close to the plane. A guy named Phil was even closer to the plane. We came out from clouds, and I say we came out from clouds. It was a broken cloud layer. I don't think either one of us went through any clouds, uh, but a plane was skirting underneath that ceiling. And you see, have you seen the video from Phil? The plane literally turns, and there's no doubt in that video, it's a 90-degree bank. I saw it come back across me and said it was almost 90. And you look at the video, it was almost 90, but it was straight. It turned and banked hard to miss him. So the idea of jumping through clouds for me became scarier when like, yo, dude, you come out from underneath a cloud layer, even without going through clouds, just being around them. And suddenly a plane comes skirting by. Granted, he was too high for what he should have been for cloud clearance requirements. But... I mean, it just, but it so can, were you guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and straight up, honestly, man, I don't think what we were jumping in uh, fits the 152 rule, fits the, the cloud clearance requirements that are actually there. I have to know in a minute what you're eating, dude. They're uh, date rolls, date, dates covered in coconut. Would you like one? I would like to try one. I recently started, <laughs> I recently had some dates of some type and something, and I don't remember what it was. Have a bite of that thing. If you don't like it, I'm going to eat the rest And of it. I enjoyed it. So now I, I'm like, <clears> I don't know what dates are. But I want to go. Usually, on when a, two people go together to get, you know, food, or maybe a, they go to, to a movie. It's a date. Trying to remember. It what sounds th- delicious in your mouth. Well, I'm enjoying it. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> it does sound pretty good. I'm trying to picture where. Would you Would you like a a date coconut roll? Well, I, I can try one. Oh, it's not a meatball, but I know Alex. This sure, was in please. some. Uh, What's that LB licorice, uh, Larkin's, oh, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Um, I had one that had caramel and date in it, and this is the flavor that I was getting out this of it. This tastes very good. I know about the <laughs> treats, all right? Oh, yeah. This boy will bring some good food in the house. It'll also be, oh, by the way, you know Jihu's barbecue sauce? I know that barbecue sauce. Can suck a dick. You found something <laughs> It's dead to me. Tell, uh, tell me what's replaced it. Kinder. K- oh, yeah, I, like Tinder. Like Tinder. But for kids, right? Kinder. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's the first place my mind went. <laughs> What's up, R. Kelly? <laughs> oh, I thought I thought you were going to go with Catholic priest joke. <laughs> I mean, I, I was raised Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the household I grew up in. Did, did anything happen to you? Uh, nothing that I can remember. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's an odd part you have on the top of your head, though. Exactly. Okay, I mean, boy. I think that's why I went bald. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn it. So bad. <laughs> Does uh, is Kinder no uh, sprout cells and I've had it before. But uh, you got like their sugar free one? Mm-hmm. All right. And we have had two different sugar free ones. One is like jalapenos, something or the other, and it was really good. Nice spicy kick to it. The other is Cali Gold, just opened it up today and holy shit. It's really good. Really, really good uh barbecue sauce. So better than my man G Hughes. Mm, yeah, man. Okay, I'm gonna try it. There's a bottle of G Hughes been sitting in my fridge since I got Kinder's. I, I mean, just... there's a couple flavors that suck for sure, for sure. 
Um, and the one in our fridge is one of the ones that I just don't like. It's maple brown sugar. Yeah, dude, that's, that's the horrible. same one. I can't do it. It's horrible. Can't do it. But I've compared it to other G Hughes because I also had other G Hughes and those were good. Uh, Kinder's just, man, it fucks. <laughs> are you familiar with, with, are you familiar with that term, Felix? Fucks like this, uh, this Kinder fucks or like, <laughs> like you're drinking that Waterloo that you're drinking. Like this Waterloo fucks. Does that, no. does that ring any bells? <laughs> We addressed it on the last show that we had, and I've heard it in some context. Um, but I, I feel like I'm getting a pretty good grasp of it now. It just means that like something is cool, or that something is yeah, like slaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, this slaps, this fucks. You know, <laughs> I was Jamie, just curious, like how much of the American slang, or I guess it's like an American thing that you've like caught on to, or not really that much. Yeah. Whenever I hear the slangs here, I'm like, is there anything in particular that stands out, or any like funny thing that you've heard since you've been here? Not really what I can like come up with right now. No. Mm-hmm. And why do you still have a sticker on your hat that's like six months old? Because he's fucking cool, dude. Don't <laughs> don't get mad at his style. I haven't even noticed. It. Is it on the other side? Oh, there it is, yeah. dude. It's amazingly shiny. Actually, when yeah. you took your hat, it's take care of my hat. Yes, you do. It's it, a beautiful hat. It looks like it's well worn. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> at some point, that hat's going to have to retire. Yeah, I know. That's so, going to be a sad but day. But the sticker will live on. Man, yes. yeah. There'll be no hat, but there'll be a sticker yeah, I remember, with shreds of cloth. I remember when I was younger, always when I bought a new hat, if someone took off the sticker, I would just throw away the hat. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's that's like, so if I give you so, a hat... That's so stupid, <laughs> and I totally love it. I, I don't that's, know why, but... No, yeah. that, don't ever change. Well, see, so. see this right here? Yeah. Hat showed up today. Sticker came off of Why would you do that? Because he would open that pussy envelope, too. (laughs) You would have been looking at it. This show would have been about tables. It took a second. Did you see the realization in my mind where that went? I'm like, I'll get it. Yeah, can you imagine like the the other path we would have went down? This whole show would have been about tables, like nothing about skydiving. A whole a whole story of IKEA. Uh huh, just IKEA (laughs) furniture. Yeah, did you offer him a table from IKEA? That was uh, his choice if he would have taken that envelope, but he didn't. <laughs> He's he not showed, a pussy. Yeah. So I want to get into to you as a skydiver for a second because we'll eventually run out of time. Um, you started jumping in 2019. You made that tandem. Yes. Because your brother's not a pussy. Yep. And then you jumped again when? 2021. 2021. And what month? Beginning and middle? July. July middle. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the reason why I started was because I was so bored during COVID. Everything I did was like work, workout, sleep, repeat. And what were you doing for work at the time? I was a forklift driver back then. I quit that job in uh, October 2021. Okay. So yes, a few months after I started skydiving. So you started skydiving again or really started jumping in, in Yeah, so July. I, I signed up for the course and I asked my little brother if he wanted to do it with me. First, he was like, nah, I don't want to do it. And I was like, okay, I, fuck it, I'm going to go for it by myself. So I signed up for the course and if you, you were two people signing up for the course together, you got a discount. <laughs> I signed up by myself and paid everything. Ten minutes later, he came like, hey... I changed my mind. I was like, fuck. <laughs> so I had to email them so we got the discount and then we started to do it together. And when you... what Just what eating like a bunch of fat kids over here. Fuck it. What took so long from your first jump to get back at it? 
So uh, after the tandem, they're like, yes, you can do this course. I was like, what do you mean the course? Like that's only like Red Bull athletes or something. I can't be a skydiver. That's some high level shit. So I didn't think more about it. But yes, because I was so bored during uh, COVID, I was like, I need something to happen in my life. I need to do something. So and then uh, all of a sudden, these ads pop up on Facebook, like <laughs> skydiving course. I was like, oh. That's interesting. I'm gonna do it now. That's why I signed up two years <coughs> later. Is it a USBA drop zone that you learned at? No. Okay. What uh, What's the governing body there? Uh, it's the AFF. Uh, so, so we have the SFF, the Swedish. Okay. And uh, you're getting a little more familiar with USBA stuff now. Yes. Uh, what's Are there any big differences in the license? Uh, between the two organizations? Yes. So in Sweden, for example, uh, when you go from A to B license, you only need 100 yams. And uh, when you go to C license, you need 200 yams and one year in the sport. And for D license, you need, I think it's 400 yams and two years in the sport. So you don't need the years in the sport here uh, with the USB to get the new licenses you only need a jump is it, is it still 25 jumps for the a license no it's 10 10 jumps for the yes. a license okay cool so the the first uh, ff jumps you do uh, the jump number one to three you do with two uh, instructors mm-hmm. jump four to seven you have one instructor and jump eight to ten you do by yourself and as far as uh, like canopy downsizing is there a lot of structure for that mm-hmm. yes <laughs> tell me about it yeah, so so we have a chart. Like uh, it's uh, how much you weight uh, compared to how much you have been jumping. So we have a. It's called Jesper Kjörban. So that's that's that curve you need to follow very strictly. Otherwise, you get shit from your CI. I tried. <laughs> she was not happy. Chief instructor for people who aren't familiar with CI. Yes. Exactly. And are, is there are the consequences for not following the chart? You'll you... get grounded until you upsize again. Okay. I, I really think more of that needs to happen. I think people should get grounded more often, and I feel like there could be more more guidance, more direct guidance. Yeah. So so we have the, uh, you need to follow the Jesper curve uh, until you have 1,000 yards. The what curve? Sorry, I'm not hearing it. Jesper. 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 It's the name like, of a guy. Like Jesper. Like Yeah. Jasper with an E. Okay. Jasper. So the uh, I don't know why it's Jesper Kjörban. I think uh, the guy that came up with that rule is his name is Jesper. I think that's why. Okay. So so for the first thousand yams you need to follow that. And if you're heavy, you have a long way to go because you can't downsize very quickly if you weigh a lot. Are you an average size person where you uh, come from? I think I'm above. No, so not everyone in Sweden is a. Monster? No, okay. no. I, I mean, I'm average height. I'm a bit taller than uh, the you're average guy. Li- I would say you're a little bit bigger than the average person I saw. And where do you keep a your little? Viking, not a lot. Your Viking sword? Where do you keep it? I haven't seen it. He keeps it in Denmark, where Vikings belong. <laughs> <laughs> that was for Stefan. He would be so upset if I didn't defend him. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, I, I think uh, nah. Uh, the average guy in Sweden maybe is like 175 centimeter tall and like 80 kilograms, maybe. So I would say uh, Alex would be an average guy in Sweden. Oh, really? Yeah. Man, I feel I feel so good all of a sudden. <laughs> I feel like, no, I'm a little bit smaller than that. Though. 
and what size canopy did you start on? I started on a 280. Okay. And is that what you were still jumping when you got the license? Mm, so I did my first jump on a 280. My second jump I did on a 260. Because at my home DC, we didn't have so many canopies. So I kind of had to take the 260 years because we didn't have... Take what you get. Yeah. Exactly. And then uh, later on, when I jumped uh, a bit more after my course was done, I went to a 210. How long did it take you to finish the course? Ooh, I, I did my first jump the 6th of July. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the, uh, I did my first jump the 6th of July. The 7th of July, I did my second jump. The 8th of July, I did my third and fourth jump. Uh, later, that was a very special day because uh, that day was uh, I, I took a free time off from my work that day because I wanted to be there jumping the whole day. But then the, uh, after lunchtime, the weather got very bad. So I was like, I'm not going to waste my day being here just sitting around. So I'm going to go back to work. So uh, I went back to work and uh, later that day, the crash in Sweden happened. Where nine people died in the plane crash. At that drop zone? Yes. At wow. my home DC where I started out. Oh, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So that was a very like... It's a rude introduction to the sport. Yeah. Did you know anybody on that plane? I know everybody on the plane. Like two, uh, the two guys I did my first AFF jump with was uh-huh. on the plane. And uh, then every, uh, just because it was uh, such a small drop zone. Everybody kind of know everybody super well. So, yeah. So there was a lot of like key people in the club that was on that plane. So, yeah. Do they know what caused the crash? Uh, we got the final r- report yesterday. I haven't read through everything. Like yesterday? Yesterday. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it took a very long time to get everything down. It was a lot of like investigations to do on the crash, but... We know what happened now, but I haven't really reading through everything, so I don't want to talk the details, but yeah. You had how many jumps at this point? I had four jumps yeah. at this point. And when do you skydive again? So after that crash, I was like, I was devastated. I didn't know what to do. Like when you lose nine friends in a day, you're like, how do you like move forward from that? That was like the only thing I had in mind was like I wanna like complete my AFF course, so I need to go. So we have another drop zone called the uh, Aros, uh, very close by. It's like one hour drive away. I think that's where uh, Kim is from. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so I went over there. I think that was a week later. So uh, I went there with the intention that I'm going to be here for like a few days, like uh, a few uh, weekend or whatever, and do my six uh, yams, complete my AFF course, then I'm going to leave. So uh, because I really wanted to like complete my AFF course, but I got stuck there. <laughs> I did. Uh, I went there and I uh, got stuck for three and a half week and I did 72 yams before I left the drop zone. When you say you got stuck there, like, were you actually stranded there or you just fell in love with the place and couldn't leave? I fell in love with the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
I completely fell in love with the place and the skydiving community and the sport and everything. Because in Sweden, uh, in uh, Örebro, we were it was uh, so it was uh, so small if you compare it to Aros. And when I came to Aros, I got to meet so many people at once. So I just fell in love with it directly. Because <laughs> uh, the first week I was there, they had like a, a belly camp, I think it was. So there was a lot of people around. And the second week was a free flight camp. So there was uh, a lot of people around during that time of period when I was there. So I just got, got in love with the sport completely. What kind of plane was there? At Oros? Yeah. Uh, we have a super caravan at Oros. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This kind of gives me an idea of the size of the community, the yeah. culture. Um, I think Aros is the second or third biggest drop zone in Sweden. Stockholm. Stockholm, uh, Skåne, and Aros. Okay. I, uh, you say you fell in love. What, what was, and you said a few things, the, the sport, the jumpers of people, the community. What, what was it that drew you the most to stay with our sport? I, I don't really know exactly what, but because everything happens so quickly, and uh, like just because uh, that uh, accident happened, everybody got like so together to support each other. So I think it was the people around and everything, the big support around, that made me like fall in love with the sport, the biggest. We have the most dysfunctional but yet amazing family uh, when it comes to skydivers. We all don't always get along. We don't always like each other, and that is okay. We're always there for each other, man. The uplifting community, the support, the the, the love, the compassion, it, it's it's unreal. So you've now gone through and got your license. Yep. I want to fast forward just briefly, and then, then I want to talk about the in-between. I meet you just a year later in Vectorfest. Yes. So when I met you, you had been skydiving for just over a year. Yep. And how many jumps did you have when I met you? I don't know exactly what date we met, but uh, I, from I took my... We met day one at Vectorfest. I don't know. It, the Tuesday, technically. Yeah. So uh, I took... I got my A license the 22nd of July in 2021. 2022, uh, the, twen- uh, the 19th of July, I did my 500 yam. Okay. So I did over 500 yams within my first year. I actually made <clears throat> 502 just to be sure that I had over 500 mm-hmm. yams. So around that time, maybe 550. Okay. So now that goes backwards, you did a lot of jumps in one year. You You've actually accomplished a shitload in a very short time in skydiving. And it's been really impressive and a lot of fun to watch, man. I've only got to know you for a few months, but it's been a roller coaster to observe. 500 jumps anywhere in one year is a lot. In Sweden, isn't that really hard? I think... I heard of one guy that people say to me has done over 500 yams before, but I haven't seen a logbook on it. Other <laughs> other than that... I heard of a guy once. Other than that, I think I'm the only one in Sweden that has done over 500 yams within the first year. Is, do you guys skydive year-round? No. So we skydive from April until October. 
Man, that's a short window. Like, what does your schedule look like when you're putting in all those jumps? I mean, of course, you were at the drop zone all day, every day. But, like, what's the capability of the drop zone? Like, how many loads are they sending? Are you, like, turning hot the whole time? Or how, yeah. how did you make it happen? I was traveling. Yeah? Directly when uh, the season ended, uh, my friend, uh, he asked me, like, Felix, what are you doing this winter? I was like, I don't know. It's like, do you want to come to Portugal with us? I was like, yes, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Algarve? Yes. And I think they're struggling now. Have you? Yes, yeah. they do. There's a lot of like uh, politics and uh, drama. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's crazy. It's a fantastic drop zone. I really love Skydive Algarve. It's the best place ever. I've heard absolutely nothing but wonderful things about it, and it suddenly stopped existing, and I found out shortly after all their, their drama and politics yeah. going on. Um, so you, you travel to Algarve for the winter. Yes. You don't have to go into too many details, but you were a forklift driver. Yes. You quit your job? Yes. So after I got a question from my friend, I was like, okay, how can I do this? Like, I need to do something. <laughs> I have a job. I need to do something about that. Like, uh, should I like <laughs> get time off or should I quit? Or what, what do you do? And uh, just because uh, that crash happened... Uh, I was like questioning everything in my life. I was like, what do I really want to do with my life? I don't want to be mm. stuck in a place. Uh, I always had a dream of like traveling. So whenever I got that question from my friend, I was like, okay, I think I'm going to go all in on this. So so I went back to my boss and I asked him uh, for time off. In Sweden, we have something that you can like take a few months off and then you can come back if your boss uh, accepts that. So I was uh, trying to get uh, off from the 1st of November to 1st of May. So I left the paper to him and everything. It, two days later, he come, came back to me and he was like, yeah, we are willing to let you go from the 1st of January. I was like, I want to go the 1st of November. He's like, that's not going to be possible. We can let you go the 1st of January. I was like, okay. And the day after, I went up to him and I said, bye, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. He doesn't miss you one bit. Yeah, so that was a very easy decision for me because I really wanted to travel and I got a question asked from a friend if I wanted to go to Portugal and skydive with them. And just because I fell in so much in love with the sport, I was like, easy decision. And now you're skydiving in Portugal. Yep. And what are you doing to pay for your jumps? What are you doing to stay alive? So I was living at my parents' home from the day I quit, uh, completed school. I started to work right away, and I was living at my parents. So I saved up a bunch of money, and I used those. Yeah, I've saved it for a fun time. Yeah. And when I met you in in Sweden, you were entered. You you I was told of you. Somebody actually told me about you, suggested that we meet, uh, explained a bit about you. So I actually expected to meet somebody with quite a few years in the sport, with probably two or three thousand jumps, and and uh, I, I want to be a little transparent because I, I want to talk about how you became a sponsored athlete with LMB, and I just really want to share it because. People ask me all the time, how do you get sponsored? What do you do to do things? And I think you're a huge success story. 
I met you and and I still wasn't sure who you were. I've been told I needed to meet you. It was actually Louisa who had said that. Yeah. Um, but I had not, I hadn't got clarity of who you were yet or anything else. And you came up to me, Hey DJ, we talked a little bit. Do you have a way I can give you pictures? Do you have something? Yeah. Here's my phone. You airdrop me some photos and they were, and immediately I look at these photos. I'm like, this motherfucker is a photographer. You're not a dude running around with a camera. If you followed LMB's social media during VectorFest, we had quite a few photos taken by you. Um, do you know Joel Strickland? Yes. Joel actually was chatting with me today, and he knew you were going to be on the show. And he uh, sent me the picture of, you know, the one uh, of Louisa in front of the LB chair? Yep. Uh, he sent me that picture. He goes, yeah, the man responsible for this. And, and uh, uh, man, it's a wonderful photo. It, it is. We've used quite a few of them. I have a very good photo of you as well, because uh, all these PD guys at uh, Slovenia on Adventure Boogie, all the PD guys, and then you have a Ewell out on the left with the Cypress. I'm honored. <laughs> so okay. he has a Cypress jersey, and uh, there's all of these PD guys. I was wearing a Cypress jersey? Yeah, I think so. Where at? Uh, Bovek, Slovenia. I was not there. No. No, no, I, I've, I've only, uh, Joel, of Joel, yeah. okay, I thought you were saying of me, I'm like, I'm nah. so confused, man, <laughs> um, Nick just shared a picture of my uh, return to skydiving, and that was, that's a super, that you have a really good photo of I me like on that. that one, that, that is, I really enjoyed that photo, um, that, that meant a lot, so you, you come to me and you ask me and you give me a bunch of good photos. And I'm like, man, these are wonderful. Thank you. And I really needed something at that moment. You actually don't realize how much of a blessing you were. I'm like, man, I need to get some stuff that I can start throwing up at some point. And I think it was the next day. Hey, DJ, here's a couple more photos. Hey, DJ, here's something else. And you hit me up like three different times. And it was one of the last days. I don't know if you remember the, the, the morning of the last day that we chatted. Yeah. It was quiet. Nobody was around. You and I were commonly some of the first up and about. You walked by and previously had told me, if you want anything specific, let me know. I'm like, oh, you're doing a great job. Just keep doing what you're doing. And I meant that, by the way. Um, and that more, I'm like, hey, a couple things. First of all, um, I do have some specific shots. And I asked for like people in jerseys. We'd given out a lot of jerseys that week. A couple other things. I don't remember what it was. But the hats. Hats. And the uh, uh, ultimators. Man, see, look at that. So that's how you get sponsored. You listen to what people want from you, and you actually listen so well. Six months later, you tell them what they said. Um, but at that point, I also asked you if you were sponsored by us because I didn't know you weren't until the night before. Or maybe it was the morning of at breakfast at Louisa. But like literally right before I asked you if you were sponsored by us was the first time I found out you weren't. If you want to be sponsored by a company – Go up and just hang out with them. Be nice to them. Offer them help. Offer them pictures. Offer them things that you think they just might like. Make friends. That's what you did. And next thing you know, quite honestly, you were at a level in skydiving that if you were just a paper resume, you probably wouldn't be getting a sponsorship. Um, we have a process sponsorship goes through at those jump numbers at that time, that experience, you get a pretty quick, polite, no, thank you. Please come back when you have more experience. We don't say no. We say not yet. Um, did you never know who the next badass is going to be? But you had left such a large impression on us. Uh, I'm going to share a little bit of your laundry, such a large impression on us that we didn't even go with an entry level sponsorship. We took you straight to fully sponsored athlete and you've actually gained a lot of other sponsorships with other companies at a young uh, age. 
Yes. How, what, what do you attribute all that success to? How, how did you put this all together so quickly? Uh, that's a hard question. I don't know. I just been uh, going around so much. Whenever I go somewhere, I just take pictures because I love it. It's so much fun and it's a great memory for me to have in the future. And I just love to take pictures on everything and give it to people because I, I, I really see how much they enjoy getting pictures of themselves and all their friends. It's a great memory to have. I, I know how much I love to get a picture. So uh, whenever I can do that and I can do what I love the most and just give it away to people, that's, uh, that feels really special to me. So I just do that whenever I go and I don't really expect anything from anyone to get back. Uh, whenever they share my picture, that's a, like a big thank you. So I think what I've done, uh, if you compare to others, is that I just been doing what I love and give it away just because I love it. I and have With no, no expectations. expectations at all. Man, if I could bottle you and market you, I would hoard you all to myself and drink you up. Now, wait a minute, that got weird. <laughs> but I really wish... He, people- wants, he wants you in his mouth, man. I don't yeah, know what Americans. <laughs> um, no, but really, the, the personality, what you've done so far, how you've presented yourself, you had hit me up that you were going to come visit the U.S. for a little bit, and I, I get regular messages from people that I meet when I travel. I get regular you know, people staying in touch, and I enjoy a lot of it, man. It really is cool. I get to meet some badass people, and I regularly like, yo, I'm going to be passing through Houston. Cool, bro. It'll be nice to see you. I mean, 100% of those that I send. When you told me that you were coming to visit for a couple months, I was like, <gasps> I got so excited. I got so excited. I actually told Nick right away that my buddy's coming to visit. You got to meet him. He's the coolest Viking in the world. <laughs> Just super good, dude, man. And that energy that you have shared, I think everybody has enjoyed, no doubt. Oh, thank you. That means a lot that people get. I really uh, always try to be like happy, humble, like share positive things uh, around me. Yes, I have good vibes. And uh, if you see me like that, I really appreciate that. That makes me happy if people see me like that. Because that's the vibe I try to give out all the time. You succeed, man. So many people will come to our drop zone to train to train to get better, to learn different things, to go new directions. And it doesn't matter what discipline or what part of our sport is it's in. Many of them say they're open to learning, but very few of them seem to be as open to criticism and instruction and direction. Like, well, you need to do this if that's your goals in our sport. Well, you need to go through this path. Like, hey, I want to get to my USPA ratings one day. Cool. You have to go through all this crap to get a USPA license. Okay. You just smiled and did it. And let's be real. It's kind of mundane. It's it's just, it's man, it's a bunch of crap. Yeah. But you just smiled. There was a lot go. of things to take in. Uh, I went from A license to coach in like a week, I think. To fastest <laughs> learner I've ever seen, my man. <laughs> fastest learner. That was a tough week. Fuck, my brain was like. <laughs> Dude, I bet. I've actually taken a lot of people like you through that process for as long as Nick's known me, I was the only person in the rating center for not as long, but almost as long as he's yeah. known me. And so almost everybody who came to Spaceland to go through a process like you've gone through, I've done it all. Um, thankfully, we had multiple people helping you this time. Yeah. Imagine all of that was done by just me. You, man, Clint Moore hates me. He absolutely. <laughs> Clint is a uh, Australian fella, actually uh, British, but he spent a lot of time in Australia, uh, more Aussie at this point than anything. 
and uh, came to the U.S. and had to convert everything and went from A license to coach tandem and AFF all at once. Oh, wow. So it was like three straight weeks of him and I together nonstop. Yeah. So I feel bad for the fella. <laughs> Do you think that the USPA will ever make that process easier? Easier transition? I, I honestly think it's actually a fairly easy transition um, outside of the tests. Um, and unfortunately, the tests are not going to change tons because there are certain U.S. laws and regulations that you have to know. And that's their way of making sure you've gone over the information. Um, it wasn't really that hard. I would, it was yeah. just annoying that it was four tests to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, at some point, you were able to get a USPA rating without USPA licenses. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually changed that. And, and a big part of it is, is if you get a license in an FAI country, we're all supposed to be to the same standards, but we're not. We, we absolutely aren't. Um, and people would come to the U.S. and gosh, man, there's so many countries that you get a license from and come to the U.S. And I think you're better trained than you probably would have been here. But there are several countries where it's the polar opposite. So USPA made the regulation. You have to have a USPA license to get USPA ratings because of substandard countries. So I don't think it's going to change uh, because the common denominator is missing. And the common denominator being what exactly? Uh, the, there's a lot of substandard training. There's a lot of people coming with licenses oh, okay. From, yeah, okay. from other countries. I mean, if... Gosh, man, I hate I hate complimenting Canada, but if everybody yeah. was trained by CSPA, we'd be in a decent place. And in my head, Scott Rumble is exactly who I was thinking about. If you oh. don't know Scott, super friendly guy, uh, obviously because he's Canadian, but uh, great, great dude, uh, talented skydiver. Kind of passive aggressive. <laughs> well, he came here as a pretty experienced tandem instructor mm-hmm. with a CSPA rating. And, uh, you know, he isn't someone who uh, struggles financially. He has a well-paying job and he's uh, capable and spends enough time at the drop zone. And for, for someone with his skill set and background, I feel like they're asking too much of someone like Scott yeah. to, to become a USPA tandem instructor. So one thing that has, so if he has a current manufacturer rating that shortens some things up, but let's go with the coach rating part by itself that, that, um, I'm honestly not a huge fan of some of the changes that have happened. And what it is, is you used to be able to challenge the coach rating. If you had a, anybody could challenge any rating. Yeah, I'm so experienced, so smart, and so wicked. I'm going to come in. I'm going to do all your testing without any training, without any extra knowledge. I'm going to take all your tests on paper, on the ground, on training, everything. I'm going to pass this course, no problem. And a guy named Miko Ribeiro, a Brazilian fella, is the perfect example of somebody who did that in an AFF course and crushed it. Also had 10 plus thousand jumps, 20 years on a DZ, filmed tons of AFF students, just had the background for it. Um, at some point, they did a way with challenging for everybody. But if you had a foreign rating that was recognized by USPA and FAA foreign rating, you could challenge the coach course. You could challenge AFF course. And I wish Say would still allow that to happen. Where now Scott had to go through a bunch of extra stuff. So he has to do the whole coach course. But if he has a USP manufacturer or current manufacturer rating, he can just paperwork through the USPA tandem course more or less. Um, It's that, that lack of the ability to challenge a course to me is missing. I wish USPA would bring that back. 
Um, absolutely, there's substandard training out there. You know, uh, some some country in the middle of some weird place has poor training for their coaches. Well, that person's probably not going to pass a properly administered challenge course. They're just not. And if they don't, well, the system works. Uh, the problem is, is getting examiners to all do their job. There's some phenomenal examiners out there, absolutely some wonderful ones. Um, but getting them all to do their job right, it's not happening. And I think it was easier for, and, and this is an assumption, but I think it was easier for USPA to say no more challenges for anybody than it was to get all the examiners to do their jobs the way that is prescribed. Mm. Not surprising. I think many things in skydiving end up having to be that way. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate and I get it. I'm not, I'm, I'm complaining about those people who are the cause of why we have to do these stupid things, not the stupid thing itself. So you're an idiot. <laughs> I just said a name out loud in my brain. Absolutely I just, said I heard name. it. I knew who it was. Oh my God. You actually don't think you do. Oh, damn it. Well, I, I know some other ones then. Yeah. So, uh, Felix, your goals in skydiving in the future, where, where do you, uh, you know, I know that you have this interest in photography that seems to overlap pretty well in skydiving. But if you could uh, picture your skydiving life in any way, what would you see down the road for you? I think it has been the same from since uh, day two. When I was uh, at my drop zone in uh, Urbro, uh, I was talking to one of the guys. Uh, he, he told me that, uh, like, yeah, I see that you like uh, photography, Felix. I was like, yeah. He's like, you know that you can do that in skydiving? I was like, huh? What do you mean? He's like, yeah, you can put the camera on the helmet. I was like, Huh? <laughs> I had this like uh, bicycle helmet you like <laughs> snatched together under your shin. I was like, can I put it on this one? He's <laughs> like, no, not that one. Other helmets. I was like, oh. And, and then after like uh, a few days, I was like, damn, that's a real thing. So I, since that day, I always wanted to be a camera flyer. And do you have any camera background or experience prior? I have a lot. I've been taking pictures since I was a kid. This is not how he answered this question in Sweden when I met him. I, I try. I can, I can find a camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I just press some buttons and hope for the best. But uh, That's what he told me in Sweden. Yeah. So you grew up with the cameras as a child. Yeah, so I, I got this uh, camera from my mom uh, like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These cameras, I started out with those, and then uh, it's kind of just evolved during the years but i've been taking a lot of pictures any formal training in photography hmm? any formal training in photography no just learning by doing yeah and a lot of youtube i say between learning and the internet it's really it's not hard to become yeah you could probably get better than a master's degree worth of education on youtube yeah youtube and yes do yeah yes learn by doing I think that's the best way to learn if you want to do something. If you just uh, sit down and read a piece of paper, you're not going to learn all of it. You're going to understand the foundation, but to actually learn something, I think you need to go out and do. That's the best way to learn, especially for me. I mean, no matter how much porn you watch, you got to have sex at some point, <laughs> yeah. son. It's going to help out. <laughs> I mean, sure. You're not going to learn anything by watching that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so back to the question. I always uh, had a goal that I wanted to be a camera flyer. And it became very clear to me during the winter in Portugal as well when I saw one of my friends. I was like, so you actually travel around the world and you get to skydive. He's like, yep. I was like, and you get paid for that. He's like, yep. And 
you, you take pictures and film people and get paid for that. He's like, yep. I'm like, I want that. That sounds fucking cool. I want to do that. <laughs> are, are there rules about uh, how many jumps you have to have with a camera? In Sweden? In Sweden, yeah. Sea license, 200 jumps. Okay. So, yeah, similar to uh, to here in the States. Yeah. How many jumps did you have before you put a camera on? 200. Okay. And what did you start with? What was the first camera you you put on your head? GoPro 10. <laughs> You're a little baby. <laughs> Dude, you should have seen the cameras that people were jumping when I started skydiving. Yeah. It was so stupid. Oh, yeah. They were giant and the quality was terrible. Yeah, I can imagine. You don't have no idea how spoiled you are. The first camera you ever did was a GoPro 10, you fucking child. <laughs> so, uh, that, that was a present I bought to myself. I was like, oh, I'm going to celebrate that I got the C license. GoPro 10. Perfect. And then how long until you put uh, a real camera, like an SLR, on your on your head? That took a while. That took a very long time. So when you're helping me out and fix my... Okay, cool. Helmet, awesome. That w- when I put my real camera on my head. And that was the most scary jump I've ever done in my life. With a, with an SLR? Yeah. Was what, what was scary about it? Dropping it. Just worried about yeah. the, the, the safety of the camera? Like uh, smash it in the door or whatever. Uh-huh. I was so scared about that. Did you feel... Did you notice the difference of having the camera on your head? Yeah, when I'm flying. You you do feel it? Yeah. Okay. Especially now when I'm going on tracking arms. It's uh-huh. like, uh, this is heavy. Man, you seem to be doing a really good job of keeping everything in frame, though, with like some of the things I've seen you uh, do recently. Like the photos look really good. The videos look really good. It's a good thing uh, that I know how to use the edit program now. <laughs> <laughs> so I how, can how great is editing, man? I it's love fantastic. it. Yeah, it's People like, don't understand how much you can do in post yeah how much you can polish that turd yeah it's fantastic yeah <laughs> it's amazing how automated some of the system is uh content aware filling um mm. uh adobe now you can give it a photo and just tell them to take everything out of the background and it does it for you in it's Isn't part of the account you share with me it's kind of yeah, cheating though I, I still do all of that stuff manually yeah, i know i know that these functions yeah. exist but i just i I can't break myself done, away from doing it. I've done a lot of it manually, and I recently needed a quick project. And I'm like, yo, there's got to be easy ways to do this. And I thought I was going to Google some other way outside of Adobe to do it. Mm-hmm. And I very quickly found links to like, you could just do this in Photoshop with these. I'm like, what? Yeah. So I've had some really good quick projects done through photo. It's amazing how aware those processes are. Yeah, it's smart as fuck. It's scary. Robots that, are taking over the world. And now with all this new chat, the uh, chat AI, chat whatever. GPT. That's right? that thing, yeah. yeah. Pretty soon you're just going to open up Adobe and you're going to say, hey, I want you to take out the background and I want you to make this thing blue over here and I want you to put Alex's face on everybody's face. I forget. And it'll just do it. Just <laughs> Have do you it. seen this dude who gets requests for pictures being edited and he edits it to the description they give but not to the meaning of the description they give? That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make my nose not look so big in this photo, and so he like just leave her <laughs> nose a normal size, and he makes her face huge. <laughs> that's yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's the on the other one of the reasons that I have a, an Adobe skill set is photoshopping my friends' heads into gay pornography when I was younger. <laughs> that's so, so cute of you. Man. It was really great. Yeah. yeah. 
just an excuse to look at gay so the, porn. That's so that's all. where the skill set started. Huh? <laughs> I mean, it grit flourished there. Because yes. <laughs> I was thinking of looking to build two, right? That's the one where you did like faces on everybody else's. Yeah, uh, did, yeah, put that there. Okay, yeah. So that was the fruit of the labor that you put it in. Finally the gay paid porn. off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so did you take those same photos from looking to build and put them on gay porn as well? Uh, yeah, but I didn't share that video with anybody except for myself. Yeah. In the evenings. Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the what's the funnest jump for you right now if you're gonna get, just go do a skydive that's gonna be the most fun it's possible to have in, in the in the air what's it look like one with me and dj's not invited i think uh, the way me and alex did a jump the other day yes go out uh, 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 uh i really enjoy like doing a jump with someone that's a bit better than me and just follow them. It's fun. So like kind of a two-way no plan. That's my favorite jump. It too. seems to be the most common answer. Yeah. A two-way no plan jam. Just um, go out. It and, is so yeah. much fun. Yeah. It was a good time, man. I remember yelling basically the whole time. <laughs> like, especially with like an open face, you know, you land and there's like slobber and stuff all over because your mouth has been open the entire yeah. skydive. That's how you know it's <laughs> probably a good one. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not far off, Mr. Lott. I've enjoyed a couple of those with you. Let's go. Uh, I want to make a couple more belly jumps first. Dude, how fucking great was that belly jump? Dude, I had a lot of fun, man. I, I really... T- tell me about that jump from your perspective. Like, start, starting uh, with, like, when you knew that it was going to happen. Like, getting Is going... Is comeback jump? Yeah. Um, I've been wanting to jump for a few months now, like two, three months. When I came back from, from Sweden and Denmark, my goal was to jump between then and my trip to, to Eloy, and the timing just did not work out. My life was a cluster. It, it was a great cluster. I, I I I stay super busy. None of it is bad. If you know me, my life is a whirlwind of fun. Um, It didn't work out. And so, great Christmas, all this, man. Okay, I'm going to jump by the end of the year. Um, you know what? No, beginning of the year, I'm going to make my first jump. I'm going to start the year off with it. And it, it just never happened. Bad weather, bad schedule, whatever happened. Um, I showed up to the DZ that day, not actually expecting or wanting to jump because the weather wasn't right. Um, it was too windy that day. And I just don't want to, I, I would be okay in those winds, but I'm like, I just don't want to play with winds. I just want to go out and enjoy. I don't need it to be calm. I just want to go enjoy a jump and not worry about it. It's not bumpy or anything. And uh, I was good. And Val and I were packed up to leave. We were about to go when we were watching the last, not the last load, but the last load we were going to watch land. And I watched everybody land, and the winds had calmed down significantly. That was the first time I ever saw you skydive. Yeah. It's the first time I jumped in 19 months. So it, uh, the the winds were uh, still 17-ish, but they weren't bumpy and squirrely. And I looked at Val and I said, hey, uh, did you put your stuff up? She's like, yeah, like you want to jump absolutely right away do you mind if nick lot joins us absolutely not at all i went to manifest manifested the three of us checked in with you 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 didn't care what was going on you said i will be there uh, fortunately it worked out very well with your timing um and dude i contentment standing in the loading area with people who love me and then i say that you and valerie man it's one of my absolute closest friends and nick those two people were in my life nick is absolutely one of my closest friends i count you as a brother valerie the love of my life and absolutely my truly closest friend 
sharing the sky with those two who one of them been super patient with me. Um, I was a absolute mad, crazy jumper when we started jumping skydive nonstop. It's all she's known me as. Um, and she watched me take a break from the sport. And then you regularly checked in with me and literally you just did that, including, Hey, want to go for a jump randomly on the DZ? You would ask me that. And uh, I appreciated the the context you kept it in. You never pushed. You were never, you, know, you didn't do it too much. You just checked in on me. But then forget those loves, everybody else in the loading area. You found out, Felix, that I was going to go make a jump and you got so excited. You got a camera and it was cool to actually have you there capturing that moment because one of my favorite photos right now is I just found out Nick Lott's phone screen, lock screen. And it's a photo of me, Nick, and Val in the loading area. Just absolutely a, a great, great photo, man. Um, some of the people in the loading area, I've known their entire jumping careers, and some of them have never seen me jump. Um, e- even though I, they've been jumping for four, four or five years, they hadn't seen me jump. And just kind of the share and the love that we got from people there. I think it was Scott Rumble joking, shooting video of me and you because you're in a belly suit and I'm in the plane. <laughs> like both of those things are just unicorns. Um, but it, people really, truly showed a lot of love and respect. And that was really neat. It was really, uh, it, it was cool to share that, man. So there's a lot of contentment. Plane just fell at home. And when we got in the sky, <laughs> dude, it was so <laughs> much fun. Um, we were breathing a little bit. You know, you don't turn points. You don't do belly stuff. No. Not not in a while. No, no. My wife. I, I seen the Nick down a belly jump. Yeah. And he was my student. <laughs> my, my, <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. My awesome. wife not only runs a mentor program, but she's a former competitor. She competed in four-way and eight-way. Uh, she actually, she's a pretty good belly flyer. Um, and so she's, I'm sure the breathing and the moving wasn't me and, wasn't her, it was me and Nick. But to see how much quicker we got in the sky, to see things tying up, to see the speed we were going, man, it was so exciting. To track away and look back and see you turds just leaving <laughs> behind me. It Break off is one of my favorite times. To leave your friends, and it's not really leaving my friends as much as just that visual you get. Because when you pin out and you really track and take a peek back between your feet and you can still see your friends, you're either too steep or you're really flat. I'm not sure which it is for you. Um, but God, I love seeing that view. And uh, got open under parachute, and I'm probably getting rid of my Spectre. Um, I enjoyed the calm, serene, peaceful opening. It, it was just cool to chill up there for a minute, get my head just immersed, and j- just go fly a parachute. I want to get a, another handful of jumps back in. I don't know how many. And then look at getting on a bigger cross brace. Um, I had a Spectre for work. You know I had it for AFF jumps. Um, I enjoyed it. It's fun, but man, I enjoyed cross bases more. I'm not going to stay super current. So, uh, I'm looking for like 96 ish. So, uh, man, I had a lot of fun. It's, uh, the thing that was the most different for me about this jump is when I landed, I wanted to tell everybody I was a skydiver. I mean, like, yo, bro, dude, I was in the grocery store. Like, yo, dude, what'd you do yesterday? I jumped out of a plane. Biatch. <laughs> What's up, baby? <laughs> That's, I, that's really cool. That that kind of gives me some hope, I guess. I, I really have this feeling that the world's kind of headed for a crazy time in the next couple of years, like economically. And I just I just think that uh, I think we're in a transitional place. And I worry about uh, hey, skydiving is not a necessary thing oh. to do for for many people. And I worry about where people will continue to to spend their money. And this feeling, this this specific thing that you're talking about right now, this love of sharing skydiving 
of of gloating about your passion for it because it really is that fucking cool. I really think that we're gonna depend a lot on that as a as a group and as a community to to keep skydiving doing well is uh, letting people feel good about sharing that passion, feel good about telling strangers like, hey, especially when you when you see that person that reminds you of who you were when you fell in love with skydiving, someone who has a you know a need for connection or an overlapping interest or just uh you know a passion and a desire to belong i think that the the skydiving world will will need that i think it's a fair i think that's a fair statement all of it it's uh at some point we're going to have a recession within the sport where not people are going to still skydive the sport's not going away but it's not going to be in its heyday right now we're just seeing some absolutely grandiose things with people throwing money at the sport left and right it's it's absolutely wonderful but, but that's uh understandable because it's so much fun to skydive. <laughs> I, I just enjoy every jump so much. <laughs> From the day I got my license up until today, it doesn't matter whatever I do on my jump, I'm just so excited every jump. It's so much fun. Man. So I, I don't really think it's going to go away. Like people is always going to talk good about skydiving, I guess. Mm-hmm. Man, you know, a lot of people lose the passion. How? <laughs> man e- even good pussy after too many sessions i just don't know fuck uh, i don't thought you were gonna how. bring up my mom on the show anymore i thought we talked about that dude connie and i have a good time with consenting adults uh, sorry mom love you connie um uh, what did you say did you just say long dong long time Oh, good, uh, great. No, no, I'm yeah. Asian, no long dong. Yeah, no long dong. I, I mean, you kind of made it sound like my mom was also Asian, so I don't know. Maybe it's good. <laughs> I mean, never mind. Um, I forget where we're at. I have no idea. We're talking, we're talking about, about like uh, enthusiasm and the sport oh, and like people, keeping that passion alive. We see people burn out left and right, though. It, it's it's so many people stop jumping because they just don't have a passion for it anymore. What what do you think causes that? Where do you think people? lose uh lose that alignment yeah, that's with that I really think it's a lack of goals, a lack of direction. And, and unfortunately, people identify the word goal with, I want to be a world champion and have a wall full of medals. I want to compete at now. A lot of people see it as too firm of a thing. And, and the more firm your goal, definitely the better your chances of survival. But having a direction like, yo, dude, I want to go make those kind of jumps. I want to accomplish this level. I want to be that level flyer. And that's my goal. And then actually executing a path forward, chasing that plan. People just come out to the drop zone. I want to get a license. This is super cool. They get their license. I don't know what else to do with a sport. Remember before we had a mentor program? Vaguely. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't really paying attention to that sort of thing, though. But our fun jumper numbers were decent. But with the mentor program, our retention of fun jumpers has grown tremendously. And the mentor program, more than anything else, is to give them something to do until they figure out what they want. That is a fantastic program. Yeah. It's I mean, wonderful. I mean, it, it, whenever you get down with your license and then you have like a free coach for 100 yards, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Yeah. Do you remember when you figured out what skydiving was? Like, and I mean that question. And when I started skydiving, I thought it was just about jumping out of an airplane and being, you know, doing gnarly shit on the way down. I didn't realize that what was happening on the jump that other people were very vital 
for my continued enjoyment in the sport. Like, hey, it's not about the movement between me and the ground. It's about the movement between me and Felix. Like, yeah. that's where the sport is, you know? Did, did, did you have uh, a similar realization when you started jumping? Yes. So, uh, when I arrived at the Aros, uh, <laughs> the first week when they were doing belly jumps, I didn't really... Uh, was a, I, I didn't really see what they were doing because I was so focused on my my shit. And then when I got down with my uh, course, uh, the free fly camp started. So I, I was just hanging around with these guys, like eating food, like talking to them. Oh, there's a guy from Chile. There's one from Iraq. Like I, I was uh, like just talking to them. And then afterwards, my friend came up to me. He's like, do you know who these guys are? I'm like, no, that's a cool guy from Chile. Like, he's like, these are uh, like the best free fly coaches in the world. I'm like, what do you mean, coach? Like, AFF, AFF instructor? He's like, no, like, free fly coach. I'm like, what's a coach in skydiving? Like, you jump out from the plane, you fall down on your belly, you open your parachute, you land. He's like, no, like, you can do things in the air. I'm like, yeah, fall on the belly. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I didn't understand what they were talking about before I saw like the jumps they were actually doing so they show me some videos and i'm like oh that that's what's up <laughs> you can do that and that's when i realized that you can do other stuff than just fall to the ground i don't know how as a sport how we communicate this to people who haven't done it you know like when you learn to jump you realize the first time you try and go and make a turn or take a dock or whatever it's like oh you don't just think it and it happens that's not how it works you got to figure out the mechanics like learning to walk again yeah sure yeah it's like like learning i mean someone can see riding a motorcycle and the 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 progress that's there right if we're talking about a travis pastrana or whatever like there are these athletes that you can see their sport and understand that there's some sort of a progression and that this is what the skilled version of this thing looks like but man i just feel like that's so hard to communicate with skydiving even if we showed random stranger never been skydiving the same video that you looked at yeah to have that realization there's still some foundational stuff missing for them to understand i think it's getting better and better with social media because uh, people are sharing a lot now nowadays but i mean if you just google skydive it's not gonna pop up like a free fly yarn. yeah you're gonna get friday freak out and uh, yeah. some highlights from point break yeah or some <laughs> uh, or a bunch of tandem videos yeah so it, I think it's very hard to understand that skydiving is a sport in the beginning. It's like, yeah, you just jump out of a plane. It's hard to understand that you can do different things. Like, I think wingsuiting really has put skydiving movement on the map for the average WFO. Do you, are you familiar with the term WFO? No. It's what we call non-jumpers. WFO, you jump out of a perfectly good airplane. Wuffo. Okay. Wuffo. So, uh, Wuffo is not jumping. Who invented this word? Uh, some old racist dude in the South. I feel like they could have come up with something better, but they now it's just it's, stuck. Yeah, it's been around forever, <laughs> man. Um, the uh, uh, wingsuits, man. The the idea of movement, the idea of, of not just falling straight down. Wingsuits. It's the most common question I think we all get asked. You ever fly one of them squirrel suits oh, off them cliffs? Yeah. <laughs> man, I guess I'm gonna do me some base jumping. I get sent more wingsuit videos. Do you get sent random videos, uh, skydiving stuff from your non-skydiving friends? Oh, fuck friends? yeah. Yes. Yeah. Almost all wingsuiting. Or uh, scary videos where they are cutting away or something like that. Yeah. I don't get many of those sent to me. I, I don't get. know why. 
You see that old lady almost fell out of her harness? You never you didn't get that one? <laughs> uh, I got that video a lot from a lot of people. So I don't remember who got, gave that to me. Oh, you talk about the question from some stranger. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. That's my that's my stranger from the South voice. <laughs> yeah, man. Um I wish there was a way. I wish there was a way to 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 get people to understand and connect to, to what we have and what we get. I mean I think drop zones could do a better job and as a whole and honestly, man, it's I sound biased. I talk about Spaceland a lot, but for clarity, I came to Skydive Spaceland for the student program they had here. I came here, it was an established drop zone with a reputation for what they did, and I really got into the student program. And then one of my favorite things about it is treat every single first time jumper as if they're going to be part of your community. Give them a logbook. Welcome to the sport. Hey, yo, man, check it out. You can read your altimeter, you can pull, and you can land. It's that easy. That's that all you need to be able I to do. I think it's really cool. That the student get to pull the parachute by themselves. Yeah. I've never seen that before. It's empowering, man. The, the people brag about it when they land, and I chuckle, but I get it because I pull. I'm like, yeah. I, I mean, uh, good for you. I would say like 50, maybe 60% pull the parachute by themselves. Mm-hmm. But the I'd, guys that do it, that, they are very happy about it. It is really cool. I was trying to think about this of, uh, you know, if we were going to define. Uh, what we do at Skydive Spaceland, if we were going to try and make some concise company values about what it is exactly that we do mm-hmm. and what parts of that are the most important. So, man, we fucking teach skydiving. Mm-hmm. Like, that's to me the very first. Like, we teach anybody. I've seen 90-year-old people go out and make their first jump, check their altimeter, and, and pull the parachute yeah. on time. It's like, man, how fucking crazy is that? And it made me... Like I don't think we celebrate it when someone does a dive flow one, when someone lands a parachute by themselves for the very first time. How fucking insane is that? Yeah. That you just jumped out of an airplane, we threw this big ball of nylon out into the wind, it saved your life, and you just fucking landed that thing and walked back inside of this building. That is insane to me. We're living... We're, we're creating a movie for every single person. I'm not talking about the tandem videos. I'm not talking about jump videos. I'm talking like we're living a movie scene. The, 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 this is highlights of people's lives, things that people will never attain. This is things that movies are literally made out of, and we get to share that as, as an industry, as people, as jumpers, and as a community. If you're in a plane with a tandem as an instructor, as a fun jumper, as a video guy, as anybody, and, and you forget that, I've been that guy. I've forgotten that. And... uh I'm not embarrassed to say it, man. I, I uh, but at the same time, I, I've learned, I've lived. It, it's man, it's such a cool experience. I love sitting in the back of the plane and watching tandem students, man. Yeah, and it's so beautiful <sighs> because they really get the feeling of like the community by itself. Like before, everybody leave the plane. Every time, everybody high fives everybody in the plane. It just gives the biggest smile ever. And when you see that as a tandem passenger, you you must be like. Oh, this is kind of cool. Like everybody's super happy. Everybody enjoying this super much. So I, I only been seeing one, one person uh, in like all my 750 amps or whatever that like, no, I don't want to jump. I, I think that's pretty amazing that everybody get that feeling we get in the plane because even if I don't uh, jump with the tandem, I'm always high fiving them anyways. <clears throat> so yeah, yes, uh, the fact that they get to like, get the whole experience they get everything in the plane and they 
get to open the parachute, fly the parachute, land the parachute by themselves here. It's amazing. I love when I see them loving the handshakes. I see them loving the... Uh, I love when they have a handshake to one-up you, because some people do. Dude, did you... <laughs> there was this girl, this... Oh, God, she must have been 18 years old, who taught me a new handshake before I shot her Tana video. And, I remember you, that one. <laughs> yeah, dude, I had to do it like a hundred times because I couldn't remember. You, you could see it, it, Nick in the plane, like yeah, boom, boom. Yeah, there was a little finger dance thing that happened in the middle. She was she was fucking awesome. She was super cool. Dude, Alex O'Connor and I had the stupidest long sequence of a handshake because everything meant something to us. Mm. Every single gesture, part, motion meant something. And I, Carlos is so guilty of that. Yeah. He's got the longest handshakes with so many people. Yeah, yeah, he and I have a pretty long one and he keeps adding shit to it. I'm like, dude, we're at like a minute probably. I want to time this. Stop. And like something like remotely Stop. funny happens on the drops and he's like, we're going to add that. I'm like, dude, <laughs> we don't have enough time for this. But yeah, he's got one of those with like almost everybody. Yeah. It's amazing how he can remember all of them. And they're like super intricate too. Like it's yeah. it's it's and cool man, it's all so genuine from him too. That motherfucker. Yeah, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> One of the more real people zeroed out about it. Um, before we, I forget, and it is getting late, man. I see you have the Vectorfest. You keep going through that Vectorfest website. I do. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. just looking at it. It looks good. It looks good, man. I'll I'll tell you right now. Twenty twenty. I've been looking around. They don't have a huge gallery for photos yet, but um, go to yeah. the Vectorfest uh, Facebook page. Okay. Um, but if you uh, twenty twenty four, keep an eye out for Vector Festival. Uh, it is absolutely. I've only been to one, but I've heard it from everybody, and many of these folks have been to all of them. It is a you can't miss event. If you have an excuse and you want to go to Europe, Alex, that is a good time and excuse to go. Got it. But the tickets sell out like almost instantly. They are limited, to like what three hundred? I think. Do you know? I think it was three hundred or three hundred fifty. Yeah, and it sells out instantly, Fast. and it is. It's a good time, man. Don't know if it's going to be in uh, Sweden again uh, in 2024. Uh, a lot I of people so. are hoping so. Um, and I'll tell you, if it is, I ain't going to be upset one bit. Even if the weather goes trashy on us, I enjoy the community of Stockholm, dude. I, you're, you're, you're people. They're absolutely wonderful. Um, your people. I say that like I'm racist, man. <laughs> Have you seen the show You People on Netflix? Yeah, I watched it a couple nights ago. Dude, man, that was good. I liked it. Yeah. I loved it when Jonah Hill said, nobody can put you in a box. Nobody should be put in a box, I think is what he said. When he first met the uh, his girlfriend. Oh, okay. Yeah, nobody should be put in a box. And uh, man, absolutely. Live life to your fullest and be who you are. So uh, go to Vectorfest. Have a good time. Man, we're going to run out of time soon. Anything you want to share with people while we're uh, cruising around? I know Nick might have a couple more questions. I don't know. Are you going to make a video for the film festival this year? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. It's in November, so it's far away. No, but we're going to have to do it earlier in the year. This last film festival was, uh, man, it was, it, I don't want to say it was disappointing, but it was disappointing. It was disappointing. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't yeah. what it's been in years past as far as the turnout. Part of it was maybe due to the weather. But part of it was due to super late planning and advertising of it. I'll take my part of it. That was definitely part of it. Yeah, I, and I suck shit at making that video happen any earlier than it absolutely has to. And uh, I could probably get a video together earlier <laughs> i should i should start working on it now so we can promote it in uh may and do it in june 
something like that. Yeah, we need but to find something good to attach it if to. If we coupled it with a good event that was already going to keep people hanging around in the evenings, I think it would do a lot better. Man, you know who I'd like to talk to about having it tie into one of their events? Tell me. Texan Aletheia. Great idea. I mean, I'm open to other people and other things visiting and coming for sure. But for me, that's just an easy, easy pick. Easy pick. I think Tex would like this hat. It looks, it's very much his. Yeah, his that brown. Yeah. His, that's his thing. Um, Mr. P, oh, dude, we do need to figure out that, that film festival. Can I tell you something funny that happened about the film festival? Well, it's loosely related. Go for it. So I got a call, or no, I got a Facebook message from uh, Corey. I think his last name's Soignier. Yep. You know this person? Air traffic controller. Exactly that. Yeah, he yeah. works air traffic control for IAH. And he said, hey, I came across some of your videos online, and uh, I wondered if you would help us make video content for a new training module for air traffic control operators regarding skydiving regulations. And I went, man, how, how cool is that? That's a neat thing to be involved with, of like, hey, trying to make skydiving safer for everybody and you know, making videos is a passion of mine. Great. Awesome. So we had a phone call, and uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, I talked to these people at the... The FAA, uh, we already had a conversation about uh, about you. I sent him some of your work, and I went, ah, how funny is it going to be if he sent him some ridiculous video I made? He's like, yeah, I sent him one of your one of your latest videos. And I was thinking he was talking about like one of my story-style videos, like about this kid who just had a serious accident and could be in triathlon, something like that. He's like, yeah, that, that one that's uh, the uh, respect. And I was like, you're telling me that you sent a video to some people of the FAA about... Everybody shitting on me, and then I make everybody lip sync to Aretha Franklin. This is what you just sent to them to be like, yo, this is the fucking dude. It's like I was really close to not putting that video online at all because I was sure someone was going to be offended by some part of it that I thought it was funny. How did your mom take it? <laughs> dude, she loved it. She thought it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, mom. I don't know, but that that shit. Is going to let me participate in making some videos that'll that'll make skydiving more thoroughly communicated to uh, air traffic controllers and maybe a little bit safer. Please say hello to Corey for me. He seems like a nice guy. He's a really nice guy. It makes me laugh that that's the video he chose. Yeah, totally, right? <laughs> like, how about just wait and say, hey, do you have any like professional looking stuff that I could maybe talk about in a meeting with some adults? Yeah, I'm well, at, yeah I've got that video. I met Corey amongst two other guys at the same time, and Corey was not the dumb one in the group. That would be something Jason might do, but no, that's not, that <laughs> ranks pretty, pretty dumb. No, it's awesome. I mean, I love it, man. That's awesome. But oh, yeah, dude. film festival, good stuff. Uh, we've got to figure it out. So uh, last year we gave something out for the first time we've never done before. It was a $500 cash prize. And uh, I said if there were 15 entries, we would do a $250 second place prize. And there wasn't 15 entries. So I also said that night that I will forward that $250 cash. It is actually sitting in a specific place right now to the grand prize. So the grand prize this year at the film festival will get $750 cash, a brand new LB altimeters, Aries 2, Protract 2, and whatever else I talk to people about between then and now. Um, I could probably ask a Spaceland manager or two for some jumps. Uh, usually Cookie throws in a helmet. Uh, SSK went super big last year. Well, I, I think the prizes are great. Yeah. What else do you think we can do to motivate people to make a video? A good party. A good scene. Party, I think. Is it? Yeah. Felix, what would make you make a video? Hmm. I mean, the prices. 
I think that's a good motivation to people to do it. But I, for me, the prizes are like, I mean, it's kind of like the bragging rights. Like, hey, if you win, fucking cool. Yeah. But it's like. But I, I think if people are going to do a video, I just think they need to do it just because they want to. Not for a competition. Yeah, don't pick the pussy card. Yeah, because, pick the make a fucking video like a man card. Yeah, because uh, I, I mean, if uh, someone is gonna compete with their video, they want it to be like super good. So I think uh, people but, are scared. Dude, but people have won with a uh, hundred jumps. Uh, think about Laura's video. Forty-five seconds. Forty-five seconds. Raw clip from a GoPro. Other than she slowed it down for the replay the game was hilarious that her instructor left without her she yeah. freaked out didn't know what to do <laughs> and she <laughs> drove back in the airplane it was great uh, after yelling oh shit oh shit <laughs> that one that was good the, the very first person that won was someone who had never even jumped with the camera she just got mm. all the shitty skydiving moments from all of her friends and edited it to a to a catchy song and then, uh, man, we've had base jumping videos win with just crazy shit. Absolute I, carnage. I would love to see a video, a video with like minimal skydiving footage. Like, man, I, I want to see people like do a story. Think of any stupid fucking thing and just point a camera at it, make a movie about it. Man, the, the, the night of just watching it with people, to me, that's what it's about of just being there with people that you like and watching the moments of skydiving that made that person excited to do it or proud to, to be a part of it you know that's why i wanted to start the film festival i think you hit it man it's for me it's a night of hanging out with your friends showing off your editing skills showing off your badass skydives showing off your awful skydives having a good time and laughing together wowing together screaming together ooing together just together the community having a good time and man if you're worried about quality of footage most of the winner's footage has less high-level skydiving in it than anything. It's almost all average, normal, everyday skydives. The people who are voting for this are the audience. The audience are all the people who skydive. What What was What's-His-Nuts who won because he showed everybody in his video? Hudson. Hudson. No, dude, the tune great. was catchy as great fuck. Great song. The video was also great. But I firmly believe Hudson partially won because he included everybody in his video. And dude... Yeah, jump package kid that had just jumped with everybody. You said it. People like to see themselves. And man, it was cool to see the <laughs> way he did it, dude. His video is a memory of that season. You watch his video and you're like, that dude, that dude, that guy, that guy. If you include everybody in the video, everybody's going to like it. Because people like to see themselves on the screen. Jimmy Wynn seems to make most videos. He's, he's probably the most seen great, unicorn. Yeah. Yeah. Larry no, Hacked has done a great job. Yeah. No, I meant... Uh, Jimmy shows up in the most videos. He's been oh yeah yeah yeah. He's been at the end of like several people's videos for some weird reason, or the beginning where you've been in his. So man, I've been shirtless in several of his videos. I think <laughs> I, I would love to connect it to an event. I, I really making a if we did it late in the year again, uh, it would have to have something else connected to it, like maybe a DJ music, karaoke, something. Yeah, I think it's, it's it got to be like July or August. Like I think that's gonna make keep it tropical. More people want to do a video because there's more people around in the summertime, I guess. Yeah, and it makes complete sense. So when when does everybody go back to school? I think is what we need to figure. September? Out. No, uh, early August. August. Early August. Okay. So we got. I like to have. You know, it's kind of a nice way to end the summer. Technically, it's not the end of summer, but it's the end of summer life for yeah. people because parents are having their kids go back to school. College people are going back to school. Jobs, life shift. We'll figure it out. 
Let's talk about it. How else can do you think it would help if I offered to do a tutorial about how I edit skydiving videos? Gravity Lab Project Masterclass. No, I, I'm teacher. being serious. Like, do you think anyone would attend? We so we've talked about this before, and I've heard several people express interest to me in person without just coming up and talking. Like, oh, I'd be super interested in that. Um, you know, a lot of people say they're interested and don't show up. If everybody said they, if everybody who said they would take a coach course with me took a coach course, you'd have too many instructors. And I know you don't have too many instructors. It's because people lack follow through. Mm, yeah. And if if you just heard me say those words and you feel like I'm talking about you. You're right. You're fucking right. <laughs> he told you're me a pussy, your and you're not going to make that fucking video for the film festival like you're thinking, because you're a fucking quitter, and you'll never amount to anything. Enjoy your table. <laughs> we'll pick it out at IKEA for you. <laughs> you piece of shit. Have some blah meatballs. Your father was right. <laughs> we still can't find the milk, though. <laughs> what? My dad. He left for the milk. I guess he can't find it. He oh, has to come back. Yeah. Yet. Well. Um. Anyways, nothing else. Film festival. We're done. We're good. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll do this again. I'll think of some other stuff to say some other time. White boy. Here we go. Here we go. Yo, guys and gals, grab that radio. Nothing else for you, Mr. Swedish Chef. Okay, yeah. is the Swedish Chef real? Do you know who the Swedish Chef is? He's from Muppets. And the thing what? that amazed me most is I was offered Swedish fish when I was in Sweden, and I thought that was just a candy in America. They oh, actually wow. do they call them fish? No, the Swedish the guys from the wind wind tunnel but came they like, hey, it's Swedish fish. I'm they like, still called it Swedish. He fish. called it Swedish fish. Hmm. No, 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 Swedish fish the candy, oh, not, not wow. the stinky make you uh. vomit stuff. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did. Yeah, what's the name of that fish again? Sushrumi. Did we talk about that before on another podcast? The stinky fish. I don't think so. We talked about that not on the podcast. Maybe. What's not. it called? Sushrumi. Sushrumi. Yes. Dude, spell that. That is not a good tasting fish. Spell spell what you just said. It's over. Music. Sushrumi.